0: Hello everyone, my name is Anne Alexander and this is the Align Podcast. Welcome to the show. Today, I got to interview Mr. Keith Norris from Paleo FX. We had a fantastic conversation. We got into how to stay in incredible physical condition, even if you are working in a corporate environment. We got into what it means to be a modern paleo man, where we can combine the practices that work from our ancestors with our technology to make us be the optimal version of ourselves we got into how to apply autoregulation to your exercise and your movement practice and your diet and all that and what the heck autoregulation means in the first place we had such
1: a fun talk you guys are going to get so much out of this conversation I trained in every condition that you can imagine, and I mean some pretty horrific conditions. Sometimes the worst person to learn from is someone who is super gifted in that in whatever the profession is, because they don't know how to teach; they they just do. But let's face it, 99% of the public is lost in all the with all the scientific nuances. Be sure to leave reviews, comments, share, subscribe, all that on
0: iTunes. Um, that determines the ranking, the visibility of the show, and it's super helpful. It makes me smile and check out the website, align therapy.com. That's A L I G N therapy.com on there. You will find my blog. You'll find hundreds of free videos on functional movement and how to get the most out of your body. You will find the self care kit. You will find the online coaching. You will find all sorts of great stuff. So much goodness on that site. Most of it is completely free and um, you will enjoy. Here we go. Back to the show. We, Mr. Keith Norris, ciao.
1: Align Podcast.
0: You started off not being like a like a purebred athlete, you know, because I think that that's such an, a crucial detail to being a fantastic coach. You know, oftentimes, especially like me with this show, you know, I'll talk to you know really brilliant, amazing athletes, and sometimes the people that are really, really just naturally incredible—they've just they've just been you know amazing since they were two they don't yeah. have
1: a lot to say about it. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's that's really true. They haven't true. gone and that's, the journey. They yeah. haven't. Oh, and, you know, and that's, and I, I played both with and against guys like that. that were just, they, I mean, they had everything. Right. And it was real easy to sit back and go, I really wish that I had that talent combined with the drive that I have and the want to get better. I mean, you're always, you know, the grass is always greener. But it is true. I mean, and, and this is true for artists and musicians Sometimes the worst person to learn from is someone who is super gifted in that in whatever the profession is because they don't know how to teach they they just do right how do you play and, the guitar they, well just, you just you just kind of do it oh okay great do it, yeah um, so they're <laughs> they're not used to having to think through all the steps that it takes to get where they're at not that you can't emulate those people not that you can't look at them and mirror and try to copy but to actually have them teach you something that's a whole other that's a whole other skill really coaching is a Coaching is another skill that is separate from actually doing. Now, it certainly helps to, to have done. That helps you in the coaching situation, but it doesn't make you a great coach because you're a great athlete. Right. Two, two totally separate things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to get into a, a lot of different subjects with you. But before that, I definitely want to uh, mention the Paleo FX. And I want to hear just what your overall perspective is on it. This is going to be my first year checking it out. And I'm super, super excited about it. I would say I've been telling the world about it. Everybody, I live in Bend, Oregon. So it's like I'm I'm not shutting up about how excited I am about <laughs> coming out there. Um, and one of the things that I'm I think is really great about it is it seems like it's like anybody could show up and have a really fantastic time and take a lot of really phenomenal information away from it and not be feel like overly saturated with with jargon and i think that's one of the things that people in this industry and i i derive it as more of like a form of insecurity oftentimes like the more jargon you use the more you're trying to impress upon people that you know more about them the the subject than they do so I I try to speak in metaphors as much as humanly possible as long as like my brain permits it. You know, so can you just kind of chat a little bit about like what Paleo FX is all about, what the dates are,
1: how people can kind of get involved, all that? Yeah, for sure. First of all, I'll just say I totally agree with the jargon uh, portion of that. Many times people will, you know, throw out terms and and they're trying to make themselves look like, and I hate the term guru, but I'll just throw that out there. They try to make themselves look like a guru versus a teacher, and there's yeah. there's two different, totally two different directions you can go. If you truly want to teach somebody something, you have to meet them at their level, use the jargon and use the terms that they're familiar with and go from there right. if, you, if if you truly want to be a teacher. Right. Um, but yeah, so the, the Paleo FX Symposium... I mean, we created this symposium exactly for the person who does not want to hear a whole lot of jar, jar, uh, excuse me, jargon, um, who wants to get to the meat of the issue pardon the pun they want to know exactly. It, it's a rubber meets the road symposium. Uh, and we created it exactly because we uh, Michelle and I did go to an, a very, very, very academic-leaning symposium, the uh, Ancestral Health Symposium, which we love, and which is a sister symposium to ours. We need the academic study for sure to push this agenda along, but let's face it, 99% of the public is lost in all the, with all the scientific nuances, yeah. nor do they necessarily need to understand it. You know, you don't you, you don't need a PhD in in exercise phys to get a lot out of exercise, smartly done exercise. And the same thing is with the paleo or diet or any other aspect of this. You don't have to know all the nitty gritty. What you have to know is a few basic rules of the road. And and then if you enjoy that and you get a lot out of it, and you want to continue to dive down the rabbit hole, obviously there's a lot of stuff there. There is more rabbit holes and deeper rabbit holes than you can ever imagine. But you don't need to go down all of those to make this a useful concept in your life. So we created the, the Paleo FX Symposium to exploit that. If you want to come and you just want to know the nitty-gritty, how, and the nitty-gritty is this, how do I make myself an optimal human being given the environmental mismatch that we find ourselves in today? <clears throat> you know, and that environmental mismatch is not necessarily the bad thing if you navigate it correctly. I mean, the fact that you and I can talk, I'm in Austin, Texas, you're in Bend, Oregon, and we can have a Skype conversation is fabulous. So we're, we're not an organization that's championing going back to the cave and spear. That's not it at all. We are championing leveraging modern technology to make you a better human. Part of that, part of being a better human Comes from the realization that we are perfectly attuned in mind and body for an environment that we haven't seen in fifty thousand years. You are perfectly aligned. I am perfectly aligned. The problem is we find ourselves in an environmental mismatch. So how do we navigate that? So in other words, you know, if I if I've got a few extra pounds that I need to lose, well, there's a there's a reason for that, and I don't beat myself up mentally because I've got those few extra pounds. It's because my body is perfectly attuned for another environment. And if I realize that and then acknowledge that and then go, okay, what do I do about that? PaleoFX answers that. What do I do about that question? Awesome. And if you want to put it in a nutshell, that is it. And this is both in diet. Um, this is uh, physical activity. It's even mental. And it even is spiritual because we'll have some uh, workshops and talks um, that have to do with shamanism um, and psychedelics, which is pretty cool. And people are like, wow, really at a, at a diet conference. Well, exactly. It's not all a diet conference. It's a human optimization conference,
0: right? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, And so that's one of the things I think that's that I, I, I love hearing you say, because I think that paleo, the paleo lifestyle ends up being, you know, there's a stigma around it that it's, you know, this, this dogmatic kind of like people are, you know, against evolution, You know, I don't think that it it is about being against evolution. I think it's about recognizing, you know, what is positive in our evolution and what we've, you know, picked up along the way that might be superfluous or might be, you know, unnecessary, such as like hydrogenated oils. Like, we don't need it. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's, exactly. like, yeah. it's plain and simple, you know, like so all the simple sugars and like, you know, white cane sugar and processed foods and, you know, EMFs, which it's tough to talk about EMFs because we're using them right now to co- communicate. Sure, yeah. So it's having that balance between that. But there's a lot of crap out there that is a product of this evolution that I think that mo- the, the good people in the paleo movement, at least, are their, their thoughts are more about kind of shearing away the, the crap, you know, and getting back yeah. to the roots which I think that I completely agree with that so yep. you know one of the things that you mentioned with your perspective on things is like it's it's like a modern paleo lifestyle you know so I'm curious like what is what is what is paleo lifestyle to you
1: well you, and and I will say that we the people that you'll see at this conference come from all walks of life and they all have varying lifestyles i mean we do have people that I would call uh, part of the back to the back to the land movement. I mean, and this is kind of the '70s hippies type thing, where totally off the grid, totally raise you know, make their own soap, raise their own animals, do the whole thing. And I, and I, number one, I appreciate that. Number two, I respect that. But on the other hand, there's no way I could live like that. Maybe for you know to get away for a week, that would be fantastic to be able to unplug like that. But I could not live my life like that. And the reason is, the, the biggest reason is, is because I like to be in the middle of the beehive. I mean, that's why I live in Austin, Texas. That's why we're here. We're entrepreneurs. We want to be connected with like-minded people, which is fantastic. But okay, so now that puts me in the middle of a big city, a very, very bustling city. What do I do about that? And how do I navigate those waters and still keep myself as healthy as possible given that extreme environmental mismatch. And now I have a whole toolbox full of things that I can use to help me navigate those waters. And that's really what Paleo FX is about, too. So you can be a back-to-the-earth movement-type person and get a lot of stuff there. You're going to get a lot of information. Or you can be somebody like me who wants to be in the middle of the beehive yet still be healthy. Sure. And, and so that's…
0: Do you have do you have any kind of story as far as like what caused you to transition into a more paleolithic lifestyle, as at least nutritionally speaking? Was there something lacking
1: in your nutrition, or what was that? Well, yes. Yeah, so, um, so to answer your question, when I look back on it, yeah, I didn't eat the Optimum diet. This was probably about fifteen years ago, by the way. Um, I. Because of my sporting background and because of the people I, were, I was exposed to as a youth, I had already kind of subconsciously absorbed the idea that carbohydrates, just in broad terms, that carbo- that if you manipulated carbohydrates, you can manipulate body fat levels. And there was a time and a place to have um, substantial carbohydrates, and there was a time and a place to wean them out of your diet. So I already had that basic understanding, um, and that came up through, through bodybuilding culture. Part of, part of uh, the cultures that I was, I was surrounded by as a kid did include the bodybuilding culture, which was cool because you pick up tips like that. Right. At that time, if you wanted to know about diet and nutrition, the bodybuilding community was it because, let's face it, they lived and died by body fat levels.
0: Right
1: and by you know the amount of muscle they could put on, and so they knew all about manipulating nutrition. So I had that basic background, but in my mind at that time, and again, this is about 15 years ago, in my mind at that time, that was all about sporting performance, and I really didn't tie the actual nutritional and internal health um, benefits of the diet into the whole thing. And in fact, I really even didn't even think about it. Um, you know, I was still relatively young. I didn't have any dings. I was, you know, motoring right on along. I didn't really, in my mind, really didn't have a reason to even look that direction. Um, but I was, um, uh, I was helping a, a high school wrestling coach and the high school wrestling coach at the time was doing the old school version of, of, um, you know, dieting the guys down, uh, prior to matches. Right. So they would, they would, Naturally, be at a weight class that was two or three classes higher, right? That's where they normally walked around, and they would diet and dehydrate down a couple classes to be able to wrestle at a lower class. With the idea being, if I can diet down far enough, I can be the strongest guy in a lower weight class. It, and, and it never works. I mean, it doesn't work. I mean, you can you can look at the transition of MMA right now, and some of the better MMA fighters are fighting at classes that are two and three classes a hot up above. where they used to die it down and get drugged. Now they're just saying, well, you know, I, I don't have anything to lose. I might as well go ahead and try to fight at a heavier class and see what happens. Oh, by the way, they're starting to win. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take rocket science to figure out why. They're coming into the match, you know, and they're not gassing and they have a little bit extra strength to actually be able to fight. So that's an aside. But Anyway, this high school program was going through some, you know, a pretty rough season and they were having, you know, they were getting torn up. And I suggested to them, hey, why don't you have these kids year round? Let us, you know, just kind of manipulate their carbohydrate level, the carbohydrate levels in their diets. Let them wrestle up a class or two. They'll come in stronger and I think you'll do a lot better. Which I was able to say because I was someone coming in totally, you know, it had total. Um, and no history in the sport. So it was just as an outsider observing and, you know, making a recommendation. Um, So I finally got this coach's attention. He's like, you know, I finally got his attention by saying, look, you sucked last year. (laughs) You can't get any worse. Why don't you, why don't you just try this and we'll see what happens. So I finally got his attention. He's like, yeah, you're right. Uh, But he was a smart guy. He wanted some, some background reading. He wanted to read about it. So I hopped on the internet and I, Started looking around, started digging up some stuff, and I ran into these two characters on the internet named Rob Wolf and Art Devaney, which you might be familiar with. Yeah, and I just started pinging ideas back and forth with them, and uh, one thing led to another. And Art and Rob were very good at saying, "Yeah, you know, your ideas about you know manipulating carbohydrates are spot on. We're totally down with that." Did you know this could also be a very very healthy diet internally? And at that time, I was like, well, that's cool, but I don't give a damn. <laughs> I just, I, I don't care about it. But the more they started sending me studies, and the more I got to reading and looking at it, I was like, wow, these two guys, I think they're onto something. I mean, I can really see some differences in health markers given this type of diet. So I, I started to dive in. I got my attention, and I really dove in and started, uh, started looking at it. And I was impressed so much so by the data that they were sending me and the studies that they were sending me that I went ahead and made the wholesale change myself, which at that time was not that big a deal. I w- really wasn't eating uh, a whole lot of carbohydrates and processed carbohydrates at that time anyway. But I went ahead and eliminated what it was that I did have in my diet. Um, At that time, I was giving blood every whatever it is 56 days. The company I worked for, you know, we'd have the blood mobile pull up and and we'd go out and give blood. Every time I went to go give blood, the phlebotomist would check my blood pressure and she would say, You know, your blood pressure is elevated. And um, I was like, Well, you know, I I, I don't know why. Um, You know, I'm healthy as a horse, obviously. Look at me, I'm, you know, motoring right on. I don't know why my blood pressure would be elevated. But this this kept going on and on and on, and my doctor, you know, say the same thing. You know, we got to try to get control of your blood pressure. Um, if anybody knows me, eliminating coffee is like a major milestone for me. I, oh my God! I eliminated coffee for a period of time to see if that would affect my blood pressure. Had no effect whatsoever which I was mildly happy about, but it had no effect on my blood pressure whatsoever. And I went through a couple, you know, cut out salt, all kinds of manipulations to try to affect my blood pressure in a positive direction. Nothing helped. But as soon as I started cutting out processed carbohydrates and gluten out of my diet, it immediately normalized. Now I tell everybody that is, that, that is an N equals one anecdotal statement that I cannot back up with anything other than my own, you know, for my own use. But I can tell you, after I saw that, I have stayed on this diet for 15 years. That was enough of an impression to me to go, everything I tried had no effect whatsoever on my blood pressure. I made that one change and my blood pressure normalized. That was all, the, that was all I needed. Awesome. And so that, that's the long and the short. And, and then I dove down the rabbit hole. And started trying to find out everything I could about the diet and the health side of it, and so that that's really where this journey started—the Paleo journey, anyway.
0: And so, for, for listeners out there that may not be totally savvy of what a Paleo uh, diet looks like, or I don't even like the word diet so much, but like, what's what
1: what do you eat in a day? What's like a normal day look like for you? Um, I like to define it, and you know, we can talk about the uh, the psychological aspects of saying elimination. But essentially, my diet is is full of healthy meats, healthy fats, um, a smattering of vegetables, a smattering of starches, and that's about it. That comprises my diet. Now, people will tell you that the, the best way, and I believe, the best way to come into this diet is to go through an elimination stage, an elimination stage being eliminate all the foods that may cause some reactions within the body. And I I won't go into the nitty-gritty of this, but we do know that things like uh, legumes may cause problems in people. Um, Things like dairy may cause problems in certain people. Um, And so we'll go through this period of uh, the stage to where you're pretty much eating lean meats, vegetables, and that's really about it. And you'll go through this stage for a while, and then you'll start reintroducing foods. Like For me, I went through the, I went through the 30-ish days of eliminating things, and I started to put back in dairy, uh, raw, unpasteurized dairy. Yeah. It had no effect on me negatively, so I had no inflammatory reactions, um, you know, intestine, uh, gut, intestinal issues, had none. Um, so for me personally, I have added dairy back into my diet. It's raw and pasteurized, but I have added it back into my diet. Um, things like um, um, legumes. Again, I can have properly prepared legumes, has no effect on my it has no effect on me. Blood pressure is still fine, everything's still fine. Um, and I do throw in starches, starches being in the form of sweet potatoes, some white potatoes and rice and i cycle those in according to my workout output so i quote unquote earn my starches by what my workout level has been and and you know this sounds you know very vague and very woo and it is but i i think that people need to get to that place you need to get to the place where you can listen to your body and go yeah yesterday was a pretty tough workout i'm loading up today because I feel internally that I need that carbohydrate hit, which is what I did last night. I had a big sprint session yesterday. Michelle and I made um essentially a pot roast with lots of vegetables and and um uh, some fibers uh, like parsnips, carrots and potatoes, and I loaded up on potatoes and parsnips and carrots, and you know went kind of uh, mediocre on the meat because I felt that I needed that, yeah. Uh, but you, but eventually everybody should be able to get to that point. Sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, sure, I think sure. one of the things you mentioned a few things that I love. Uh, one of the things is is kind of listening to your body because you know it's tough because I've met a lot of people out there. You know, specifically I lived I lived in Hawaii for about five years, and uh, so fruit is abundant. Sure. So living out there, I think that there's, there is definitely a degree of like, what is available to your culture? You know, if you live in a place where it's like, you know, for me personally, I just got back from this like three day boat party thing. It was, it was awesome. And, uh, it was hot, man. I was out on Lake mead, like by the Hoover dam. And it was just like listening to my body. All I wanted, there was like a moment where I kind of cut fruit out a little, not out, but like down compared to what it used to be. But there's these moments throughout the day where it's like, all I want is raspberries and blueberries. Like, I do not keep anything else away from me. Like, I just want a little bit of fruit. And I felt phenomenal afterwards, you know? And what that is, it's like when your canvas board, you know, when your canvas is a little bit cleaner, you you can see any types of weird, funky colors or anything on there. As soon as you put something on that canvas, it's like, boom, what's that? Right. And that's where we need to start figuring out our diet to be is this, this point where it's more of a, you know, listening to yourself. And one of the things that you mentioned is, is auto regulation with exercise, yep. you know, and so I think it's like a similar thing of like finding that point with your, with your nutritionary needs or, or dietary needs where it's like, what do I need right now? Don't follow any kind of dogmatic, th- you know, book just because it says so listen to yourself. Yeah. You know that is that is the ultimate nutritional plan, in my opinion. But the only way to get to that point is to experiment, is to yep. pull you know white sugar out of your diet, see what yep. happens. Do you feel better? Do you feel worse? You might be the one person that needs to run on white sugar. Yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't met that person. I yet, haven't but met I him either. but I hold out, yeah. you, I could hold out there. That there.
1: Could be one.
0: Yeah, you know. <laughs> and so that's the big thing is is really starting to play. You know, become fascinated with yourself. You know, that's the thing. We, we wander around through the world in these bodies, you know, and it's, it's like, what do I got to do? I got to go to work. You know, I got to take the dog out. I got to pay my taxes. I got You know, but it's like, you are the most fascinating, brilliant invention known to man. It's man, you know, there's, oh, yeah. there's nothing more amazing than that. So get into it. And that's something so that I try to I try to spread to people is just like get excited to be you. Get excited to explore yourself. You know, see what Paleo is like. See what Atkins is like. See what is like. See what it's yeah. all like. You know, there's yeah. no one right answer. Everyone's it's all anecdotal, essentially. You know, if you cut if you find some one new diet thing and it makes you feel better, you're gonna be running the
1: top of the mountain screaming about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I it's, totally. I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, it, in your statement about keeping the canvas clean, I mean, you really have to start from a clean cab, canvas, which is why I suggest going through a 30-day a elimination period. You know, I went to that template from a, a, from a paleo point of view. Yeah. So I went from the very, very basic paleo template. So we're talking lean meats, vegetables, bam. Let's do that for 30 days. And then let's start adding in these other things that may be questionable. We'll call them the gray area things. And then, hey, why not throw in a bomb here and there? Why not throw in a chocolate sundae? Just a, and then at least the canvas is clean. And now you can feel your body's reaction to that stuff. Right. And then it's up to you. If you're okay with that reaction – and you think it's okay? Well, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you after that. But it's, you know, and I've I've told a lot of clients like this. You know, it's a lot of it's a lot like college drinking, right? Kids go to college and they just, you know, go through this huge, and I did too, this huge, just party throwdown, party throwdown, party throwdown. Well, eventually you wake up one day and you're like, you know what? The fun that I had last night is not equal to well, the way I'm feeling today. And you start going through this dry-out period, and then you'll go out and party again. And then it's reaffirmation that, oh, yeah, that makes me feel crappy today. That amount of fun was not equal to the way I feel today. And as you, get, as you start getting older and older, those dry-out periods start to last longer, and you really begin to listen to how your body feels on that particular chemical.
0: Right.
1: And food is just... Not as intense as a signal as alcohol is, until you pull that out of your diet and then put it back in, and you'll see how and what an intense signal that is. Right, and then it's and then it's you know self-affirming after that. Sure, I mean I have never run into anybody who has really cleaned up their diet, added, you know, the bad really super refined carbohydrates back in, and not pulled them back out eventually because they were just like you know what. I love the way I felt on that clean diet. I add this other stuff back in. It's not worth it. You always hear that. It's not worth it. Sure. And then another um,
0: thing with that is, is you know, with, uh, back to, to listening to your body and up being a broken record sometimes with that. I apologize <laughs> to everyone. But, you know, it, it totally depends on your activity level. You know, like what are the stressors in your life right now? Whether it be you stress or you know whatever's going on, like everything that's happening in our reality, it's all information that our body has to interpret. If you're throwing, you know, a marathon into your system, that's significantly different information than if you're sitting in an office for ten hours. Yep. Or short. So once again, there's no cookie cutter. This is what you do. You got to listen to that thing, and that takes practice. You know, I, I work with clients every day where it's like there's some people. Where you know I'll, I'll walk in within like a foot of them and they're like, ooh, I can feel something, you know. And there's other people where it's like, I could throw a bomb at them and they're like, What happened? And I'm like, Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You know, but but uh one of the other things that you had mentioned that I want to touch on, you know, with paleo diet, um one of the things that I have to I have to say, which I know that you already agree with from listening to you, um, is the 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 sources that your food is coming from. You know, if you are coming from like a you know like a factory farm type environment where the where the you know the, the animals are sitting in their own feces and they're getting plugged up with grains, like you you aren't what you eat. You are what you eat ate. You know, yep. it's like you got to look at the whole entire evolution of that animal that's going into your system. If you choose to eat animals, I'm not pro sure. or against animals. I, yeah. I prefer broth, actually, if I do. Oh. I do like fish and broth as my thing. Sure. You know, but but with that, with the broth for me, you know, it's like did that animal have a super happy life? You know, it's like, is this, is this an ethical thing for me to do? Yes or no. If it is ethical, it means that the, the farmer, the local farmer, hopefully that I'm purchasing that product from or that animal from is, um, they're doing good to the world. You know? Yep. So when I give them my vote in the form of currency, we need to look at our currency as our votes, our yep. votes at the elections. In my opinion, I'm not sure if they matter all that much. I think what matters the most is where's the money going? Yes. You know and so when you when you are voting with your dollar bills you have to put some intention into what are we voting for you know and so the quality of the products that you're getting is so so crucial you know and then that's that's the big thing you know so yeah. uh, so the, one of the things you mentioned is is the raw dairy as well my opinion again it's if you are not able to eat your product raw you should maybe think about why you're cooking it you know, yeah. is it if it's if it's poisonous if it's not raw? Why?
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, for sure. The the quality of food and the nutrient density that's in that food is huge, right. and you, you know, there's. It, I guess it's easy to see from the outside looking in that we would be at war with the with vegans and vegetarians, which is which is not at all the truth. I mean. If you look at the core values of, of both of these groups of people, the paleo camp and the vegan vegetarian camp, we are both all about animal husbandry, proper animal husbandry. I mean, none of us wants to see CAFO um, operations be in existence at all. Um, now, you know, then then you can draw the line and say, well, it's an ethical issue, you know, whether or not you want to consume animal products, and, that, and that's fine. And, and I always... I always tell people that it, you know, I think if we're talking about proper animal husbandry, we are all on the same page. None of us wants to see none of us wants to see the bad side of animal husbandry. Um, and, and the other the other portion of that that you were talking about voting with your dollars, we totally totally agree with that. And really, that's the only way you're going to get anybody's attention. So right. you know, government government change is very 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 slow. Yeah. Um, but local changes can happen very, very fast as long as the money flow is there, right. and I, I can tell you, seeing uh, the growth in the available products, even in Austin, Texas, and in Paleo, and you know, looking at it from the from the bigger, bigger sphere, from the first year of Paleo FX to this year, it's incredible, and I can tell you. The reason that is, is because now there's money influx into this, and people can actually make a living, A, farming and ranching properly, or B, creating products that are natural products that are created from those products that have been locally farmed and ranched. Um, That's been a very fast ramp-up. Just in the last five years, it's been a very fast ramp-up. So it works. That money flow works. Sure. You know, and this, and this can turn into
0: like a, you know, a, a, pretty, this could turn into a big tangent really fast, but, you know, back with the voting with your dollar bill and supporting your local farmers, like you don't need to eat meat. Like I, I, I was vegetarian for a while and I was doing all right. You know, I would say the raw fermented dairy was like a huge, huge savior for me. It, made, it helped sure. me a lot. Um, you know but recognizing the good that your local farmers are doing for the world you know you are the world you are the clouds you are the grass you are a product of this whole entire environment just because you have this skin bag around your body doesn't mean that you're separate from the air you know it's you are a direct product a direct manifestation of what goes into your mouth of the you know the sounds that you hear the sounds that you speak the relationships that you have and the environment that you live in the overall environment be that weather or everything the water that's that's rolling through the streams in your in your neighborhood all of that is you You know, it's really easy to get short-sighted with this stuff and think like, oh, you know, I'm going to save 67 cents and run down to Costco and get, you know, 85 pounds of like GMO, whatever, you know, what you are voting for that evil company. Yeah. (laughs) That's not okay. Totally agree. Yeah. totally. So that's, so tangent over. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I want to get back on track with, with you, um, so you are a, a fitness coach or trainer or I don't, I don't know what's everyone kind of has a different term for what they what they what they call themselves with that stuff I'm curious what your actual movement practice looks like and I'm curious you know is there like a paleo movement practice out there where you're like running from lightning storms or like throwing women over your shoulder and running up a mountain or is there some kind of like paleo thing with that or what's that look like
1: no not really I mean there's there's no fitness um... Regiment or branch that that is what I would say paleo. I mean, it, it's again, it's it's looking at what our bodies were meant to do, and then you know making making uh, best case scenario outcomes out of what your environment is giving you. So okay, so that was a lot of woo woo language. So for me, what that looks like is. I don't have a whole lot of time. I mean, I am a super, super busy guy. If I'm not training people, I'm in meetings, I'm, you know, trying to push this paleo agenda forward. Um, So my workouts are generally brief and very hard hitting. So my workouts include resistance exercise, sprinting. um, And when I say resistance exercise, that can be both on machines. So I'm not a purist where it's like a resistance exercise has to be black iron and barbells and dumbbells or it's not at all. I include everything. If it works, I use it. That's bodyweight exercises. That's, yes, black iron barbells and dumbbells. And that's, God forbid, machines too if I, when I want to add them in, and I do use them. Um, so there's, so there's uh, sprinting involved. There's bodyweight exercises involved. There's re, uh, super heavy resistance exercises involved. And there's also an element of movement purity involved as well. Um, so what does movement purity mean? Well, that means that the human body is meant to be able to move through a certain range of motion. Um, and if you cannot move your joints around a certain range of motion that's specific to those joints, then we have a problem. And uh, that could be a muscular imbalance or that could be any of a number of problems, but we need to find that and correct that. Um, I kind of equate this to, you know, you can have a, a very, very high horsepower Race car, and that race car can have a massive engine, create a lot of torque. But but you know what? If that race car is out of aligned, you've got problems. So you can't just continue to add horsepower to that car to get it to perform. The tires have to be correct. The alignment has to be correct. The tuning of the engine has to be correct. And I kind of look at optimizing the human body in the same way. Yes, I want high horsepower. I want some musculature. I want to be able to create force and power but I also need to be able to move that body through a full range of motion. And so I have to step back, take a look at that and go, okay, what corrective exercises do I need to add? Those need to be big bang for the buck and they need to be directed towards whatever the problem is. And I want to increase the strength of that organism. And I also want it to be somewhat metabolically fit and fast. And that's, you know, for me, that's the 30,000 foot view. Mm. And then, Depending on what your goals are, whether those be competitive goals or just, you know, quote, unquote, being a, being a healthy person, then we need to refine that. And I would also say that, that uh, being a competitive athlete in no way confers health. <laughs> and I can, see, I can say that from personal experience from being a competitive athlete, probably one of the unhealthiest periods of my life. And that's both, you know, if I had a way to measure it internally at that time, I'm sure it would look horrific compared to the way I look now when I'm just being healthy. But that's the nature, that's the nature of competitive sports. And I would never tell anybody not to be competitive because of that. I would just say, you need to go into it with eyes wide open. Yeah. You you know, if you want to hit a competitive event or a competitive season or be a competitive athlete, you're just going to have to realize that that's a, a hit on your overall health. And compensate for that either after your competitive career or during with with time off and, you know, things like that. You just have to be smart about it.
0: Yeah. One of the analogies that I use with that, you know, is like the human body. We are masters of nothing. You know, (laughs) we we are the ultimate generalist. That's what makes us so incredible. You know, and it's like when we get caught up in these these specialized activities, that's when it becomes a very slippery slope. You know, if all you do is spike a volleyball all day long, you're going to have a really phenomenal, you know, spiral line that loads up and crack, you know. But is that one directional spiral line that you've developed? Is that the most effective way to, you know, say, go for a jog? Probably yeah. not. You know, it's multidirectional. And you know, so figuring that out is super, super important. One of the analogies that I like to use with that is like imagine when you're doing some kind of sport or specialized activity, whatever it is, you're, you're chopping tomatoes. That's a specialization. You know, when you're doing that, imagine it's like you're wearing a suit, you know. So when you finish your business meeting at the end of the day, you have your tie and all that. When you go to bed, you take your freaking suit off. Right. What we forget to do is we forget to take our movement suits off when we finish our specialized activities. What that does is we end up having compound suits that start stacking on top of each other. Eventually, we don't know what the heck, who, we, who the heck we are anymore you know we we've lost our human expression because now all i am is a volleyball player you know or all i am is a bicyclist yep. or whatever it is you know you start to take on that form so you know get back into the generalist in each of you you know is is some of the best advice i think that i have ever received you know is really just not getting too wrapped up in any one specific thing i'm curious question for you as far as actionable advice for listeners what if you had to pick 3 exercises you know, you've, you've got 20 minutes to get in the gym. You got a meeting or whatever it is. You got to go 20 minutes, three exercises.
1: What do you do? So I go deadlifts, deadlifts or, you know, whether that be on a trap bar or a, um, or an Olympic bar, um, pull ups and dips. I mean, those are the big three. If we're talking about staying inside in a gym, yeah. um, I think those between those three exercises, you've got it, you've got it covered. You've got, and you've got two pulls and a push, um, But but yeah, and I mean, even if I look at my own workouts, I I mean, my own in the gym workouts look very much like that. I mean, it might not be specifically deadlifts, but there's going to be some derivative of a hinge involved. It might not always be dips, but there's going to be some kind of a press that doesn't involve me lying on a bench. It might be a fore press even, or it might be an overhead press or something like that. But there's going to be some kind of a pushing movement that doesn't have me fixed on a bench not saying a bench press is bad I'm just saying other presses need to be added in I mean you can get glued on a bench and it's it's really not a you know I, I kind of hate to use the term functional but it's really not a functional movement because you're not having to hold your body in balance and and you know things like that and a chin up I mean you can't you can't beat a chin up or a pull up or any variant of that you just can't beat it I mean it's a bang for the buck exercise so with those three exercises and if I could sneak a fourth in there, I would say get outside and sprint. Yeah, sprint is opposed from jogging. Sprint. Right. So so sprint, rest, sprint, rest. Just repeat sprints. And obviously, you can't just jump right into sprints. Um, you know, if you haven't run for a while, you're all you're going to do is pull a hamstring. So you need to ease into this. I'm not saying that long distance uh, endurance stuff is bad per se. I I think it's overused by people who think that they're using it to either A, add muscle or B, lose weight. So I think it's the wrong tool for the perceived job. Right.
0: Yeah. So notice that Keith didn't say do a tricep kickback. He didn't say do a calf extension. He didn't say do a, a knee extension or leg extension, right? When you, When we start isolating these individual points down in the body, what we do is we end up complicating the equation. You know, another, I told you I speak in analogies another analogy is you imagine every time you do an integrational movement, being a deadlift, being a squat, being a pull up, as long as you're doing it well, you can do all this stuff totally horribly and make it, make it yep. you be oh, yeah, way yeah. worse. That is state. the
1: caveat. It's got to be done well.
0: Yeah, right. You know, and so that's the big thing is first get a coach. You know, I got hundreds of videos online. You can check all this stuff out. And like, there you go. There's a coach. Um, There's a lot of really great resources out there on how to figure out how to do this stuff well, you know, but when you're doing an integrational movement, it's like you're throwing one ball. You're juggling one ball. That's your whole entire unit. That is where you derive the most power, right? The the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, right? That's metaphoric for everything, right? Including your body. As soon as you start isolating systems down, biceps, triceps, you know, whatever, flexors, all this stuff, you start adding a ball, adding a ball, adding a ball, adding a ball. Before you know it, you have 450 balls in the air, right? No one can juggle 450 balls. You know, so that's a big thing is figuring out compound movements, figuring out how to do them well. That's the safest thing that you can do for your body. If you're not doing that, in my opinion, you are complicating the equation and you are a dangerous human being. So,
1: and that's, yeah. So, you know, there's a hierarchy with that. And I I don't say that I never do isolation movements. Um, I do, but it's, I, I consider isolation movements to be equivalent to corrective exercises. Yeah. Right. So if I'm looking at, you know, okay, so what's holding me back? on the deadlift. And I can analyze that and, you know, let's just say, oh, it's uh, you know, hamstring strength. So I need to do some isolation work on my hamstrings. Right. Okay. What are the best exercise, isolation exercises for hamstrings? And then it, so it just kind of falls down that, that hierarchy. Um, but I don't start from isolation exercises for hamstrings to kick off things. Right. No, that's not the right way to go about doing it. Sure. Um, so yeah, there's a hierarchy and then that hierarchy has to be, uh, uh, Considered against the available time that you have too. So, although I am a very very busy person, I do happen to spend about twelve hours a day in the gym. So I have I have a lot more access than normal people do. So people will you know look at my blog and uh, or tweets and or they're like, well, it looks like you work out every day. Well, yeah, pretty much I do. But sometimes the duration you know the duration is always different. The intensity is always different. You know, I've got a. In effect, I live in a gym, so I have access to this stuff all the time. Sometimes my "quote unquote" workouts are fifteen minutes. You know, so. um, So anyway, I just wanted to throw that. No,
0: and then one of the things I want to say is I, I like isolation. In my opinion, is only okay if you know what you're doing. If you yep. were just if you go to the gym and you see, you know, a slew of of, of fancy high tech machines, you're like, I don't know what to do. So I'll just start randomly isolating parts. you're yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. getting dumber. You know, your, yeah. bo- your body is a sophisticated yeah. fluid mover, you know, and so when we come out of the womb or whatever, I and mean, I don't want to compare ourselves to babies, you know, but when, as we grow up, if we are in a dynamic environment, we will form that dynamic environment by putting ourselves through, you know, a machine type type system like that, depending on, and again, I'm not hating on all forms of machines, um, just most forms of machines, you know, and when we put ourselves through that system, it's a slippery slope and we can start becoming mechanical movers very fast. Mechanical movers are not safe when they fall. You know, so when you are in a gym, you should be training yourself for life. You should not be training yourself for getting better in a gym. If you're doing that, you're missing the whole point. Yeah. You know, and for this, for the the point zero zero one percent that really is just training to get better in the gym, keep at it. Enjoy. For the rest yep. of the world, listen <laughs>
1: to this <Right. laughs> because and I see and, it all the time. And this is true even in upper level strength and conditioning programs. You see every strength and conditioning program that is good they train athletes to be better athletes on the field not to be better strength and conditioning athletes right. that's not the point you know the point is not to get good at squatting and, and deadlifting unless you're a power lifter sure. the point is to be good a better athlete on the field yeah and to spend as little time as possible in the strength and conditioning center right because that's not making anybody a better football player soccer player baseball player Actually practicing the sport with good skills and with some strength behind you—that is what's making you a better player,
0: right? And then so, the other—the other thing is uh, that you mentioned sprinting over jogging. Walking yes. is good. Jogging, yes, eh, yes. Uh, sprinting, great, right? Yes. I think you should, you should. Everyone, everyone out there should take a poll right now. Ask all of their friends. When was the last time you flat out ran as fast as you could? I bet you the percentage are gonna be impressively low. Yeah, you know, like these bodies are built to move and built to hustle. You know, they're they're our humble servants and they only will do they'll do exactly what we ask of them, but no more. You know, and so if we yes. don't ask to go to our limits, then we put ourselves in this bubble, you know, this we we impose these limitations upon ourselves. One of the things about jogging that I just like I cringe when I see. The highest percentage of people jogging, not everybody, but a very high percentage of people when they're jogging, they're wrecking themselves, you know, they're collapsing their foot, they're collapsing their knee, they're collapsing sure. their hip, they're hunched over, you know, it's just like they're drudging through this thing, you know, martyring themselves for this for this fitness. Some people find it extremely meditative. And you know, it's like if if you just with that, like, yeah, have at it, like have your meditation, just start to add a little bit of functionality to that meditation because we are continually forming this system we have to watch the layers that we put on there yep. you know and so with sprinting what's so fantastic about sprinting is it activates your musculature in a more optimal way because you got to go fast mm-hmm. you know you can fart around with a jog you in doing it totally incorrectly for hundreds of miles until you you know you knee surgery yeah. you know whereas with sprinting you learn real quick like, whoa, I'm not doing this right. Yeah, it's
1: self-correcting. You know? Very quick, very you know? quick self-correction.
0: And one of the other cool things about that is is with sprinting, you start packing on muscle. Muscle increases your metabolism, right? A, a muscular body is an effective body to a degree. I think that there is it's there's a difference between sophisticated muscle and dumb muscle, and that's kind of the same thing that I was talking about before. You know, but Packing on some muscle is going to make you burn fat more effectively than putting yourself through a dysfunctional, stressful state for two hours a day.
1: Yeah. And I think one thing that people totally forget is your caloric burn is not – the significant caloric burn does not take place during the time of the workout. That's not when the significant caloric burn – the caloric burn takes place in the 23 and a half hours post-workout. And if you don't have a big engine to churn through calories, you're just not going to churn through a lot of calories. And what happens is with people who jog or do uh, low-level exercises, they, in the, you know, just to put this in layman's terms, they trigger the hunger response without the adequate fuel requirement. So they actually wind up taking in way more calories than they ever burned in that, you know, a, in the actual jogging. Um, session, or B, throughout that entire 24 hours. Right. But they have a hunger response that would say otherwise. And on top of that, they eat crappy food, yeah. which just exacerbates the problem. So they're wondering, you know, I've been jogging for three years, and I've put on 12 pounds of fat. What's the problem? That's the problem. right? And yeah. it's just, you know, little things like that that you have to step back and deconstruct, and you can figure out the answer very easy. And the answer is very easy. But you have to be able to take the time, step back, deconstruct, and number two, you have to be able to scrub from your mind what you think you know is right. That's, that's the big thing. Right. Imagine that you know nothing, absolutely nothing. And I still do this myself. I still question my beliefs every day, whether that be diet, whether that be on the physical plane, whether that be spiritual or any other belief that I hold. I question myself all the time. Is this really correct? Sure, you know and that's so, that's
0: one of the things. You know, the more you know, the less you know. I mean, that's like that's it's exactly true. true. You know, the, because if, if you're yeah. you meet someone if, that has all the answers, they're probably an asshole.
1: <laughs> you know, really right. like, don't want to listen to that person. Yeah. So, well, it's no, they're not. They're not questioning their own beliefs. So right. I can, I could, I could say that I think with you know some, a, a pretty much a high degree of surety that what I am saying is correct, but. I'm open for other options. Sure. I am always open to shift gears. And I tell this to people every day on my blog and you know when I go on podcasts or whatever. What I say today, I may totally do a 180 tomorrow. Yeah. And I have no qualms with doing that. If I find out something different and I change my opinions, I'll do it on a dime. Beautiful. Now make sure, you know, I'll vet it to make sure the information is correct. But if once it's once I Think the direction needs to be changed. I have no problem changing directions in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah, I had. Um, I was curious. You know, mentioning just like that, you're you're a busy guy. You happen to be in a gym a lot, but it's, say for the folks that are busy folks and they're not in the gym a lot, what is? You know, we think like, "How am I going to be in shape? I don't have enough time." And then there's all these other folks, myself included. They're like, "You don't need time. <laughs> You're probably working out more than what you need." Yeah. What you need yeah. to be, what you need to do is be aware of your movement throughout the whole entire day. You know, yeah. every every moment of every day, you are layering on these new movement practices to your paradigm. You know, so figuring out like, are you sitting too much? Probably, you know, that's a problem. You know, there's so many different little nooks and crannies that we're not looking at and we're getting caught up and it's like, wow, I don't have two hours a day to lift. So, you know, I guess I'll just not even think about it. What is optimal time to be in the gym, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, so that, you know, that's another one of those things that totally depends on what you have. I can tell you that, that we've set up efficient exercise the way we've set it up here and we've set it up exactly for the person who thinks that they don't have enough time throughout the week to exercise. And the way we set it up here is we have uh, two 30-minute sessions a week, and then we ask the clients to do stuff on their quote-unquote off days, whether that be swimming, whether that be walking, whether that be biking. Some of them go into the gym again and do more bodybuilding-type routines. Um, but what we take care of at Efficient exercises is the very, very, very high-intensity stuff that they would not otherwise do on their own. And by high-intensity stuff, I don't mean um, metabolically, although it is a metabolic hit. I mean the strength work and the strength exercises. And, you know, this is a time where they do their, their uber-heavy deadlifts, uber-heavy squats or presses because they have a coach standing right by them to ensure that the form is proper. Hmm. Um, and that is the time. And really, if you're really, really pressed for time, I think you can get it done in an hour a week if you really are dedicated. But you better make that hour a week count. Yeah. So back to your, back to your uh, saying about the triceps kickbacks and the bicep curls, that does not enter into that hour a week equation. It right. can't. I mean, it just can't. It's got to be bang for the buck exercises and very, very intense. Um, so I, I like to call it um, – um, waving intensities and weaving modalities. That's how I schedule my workouts. The intensities vary and the modalities vary. Right. And you had mentioned, we're running out of time, which is, which yep. is
0: kind of a shame, but, um, you had mentioned auto-regulation versus periodization of yep.
1: your, of your, your movement. What's, what what is that? So auto-regulation is the ability to adjust the intensity and, uh, the force production, depending on how the, uh, depending on how the body presents at that time. And that's, that's a mouthful of mumbo-jumbo, but I'll break this down. So um, you were saying earlier that the body is just a conglomerate of all kinds of stresses throughout the day. And when we say stresses, mo- and, and this is in the realm of working out, people automatically think just the stress that comes from the workouts, but in reality, the body is having to respond to your job. It's having to respond to, did you get in a fight with your girlfriend or wife? Um, you know, Did you get enough sleep? All of these other stresses combine into one moment prior to you working out. And it is impossible for you to be able to predict the state of your body if you're trying to do a linear periodization scheme. It just never works out. Right. So. There's got to be some kind of a immutable mechanism that's put in place to be able to automatically adjust for that. And that automatic adjustment is called auto-regulation. Okay. Um, and it's not nearly as complicated as it might sound. Essentially what it boils down to, if I could just put it in a nutshell, is you're doing what you can at that moment and you don't beat yourself up about it if you're not able to perform the way you thought you should be able to perform. Yeah, okay. there's there's a lot more to it than that. Believe me, there is a lot more to it than that, but that's it in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. You know, audio audio regulation is is essentially it's it's the canvas. You know, it's the same it's it is. the same nutritional it, thing. You yeah. know, the 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 better that you know your body, you know, get 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 involved with it. You know, the better that you know it, you'll get to the gym, you know, and if you are not 1 to 3%, I mean those are kind of arbitrary numbers, but we'll just call 1 to 3% stronger. Than the last time you were in the gym, you don't need to lift more. You know, you don't, you don't need to push yourself right now. You know, it's like looking at it from like a, you know, a paleo perspective, it's like, we probably didn't need to deadlift 500 pounds all that often. Like, it probably wasn't that necessary. You yeah. know, this is kind of just stuff we're like hacking our bodies. It's like, it's cool to see how, you know, how much, how big we can build our engine up to, you know, but getting down to like the, the, it's the, it's the vitality aspect that we need to be thinking about. You know, so if you go to the gym and you have a good sense of what's happening in yourself, you know, it might be a good day for you to do some yoga. Instead, you know, that's an okay thing. It might be a good day for you to like take a dance class. It might be a good day. The only thing that we need for sure is movement. You got to move, yep. you know, but you don't necessarily need to snatch 200 pounds. You know, it's, it's just not absolutely necessary, but you got to move it, you know. So every day you might not be feeling like you want to do that ex- explosive plyometric whatever's go for a walk, you know, get outside, take your shoes off, do some cartwheels, you know, play with something else. Take it, take a yoga class, just move. That's the big thing.
1: And I realized just like with diet, um, you know, it, it takes a good amount of dedicated time to be able to get to that place. Right. I mean, and in this, you know, if we look at the diet side of things, um, you know, is weighing and measuring, Sensible? Well, it could be if you're trying if your ultimate goal is to get to the place where you can just sense how much carbohydrate I need. I can just sense how much protein I need. And weighing and measuring may be step one. Do you want to do that forever? Hell no. I don't want to be married to a scale and do no. I don't want any part of that. But where I am at right now, I don't have to. Right. Now, some clients that I have, they may have to go through that period because they don't know, A, what it feels like to really be full. Or they don't know, B, how much they're actually eating. You know, they don't have have really a good sense for that until they actually weigh and measure. And it's more so taking the time out that it takes to weigh and measure to actually look at all this food and go, oh, wow, I've actually looked at all of this. So the weighing and measuring is just kind of a secondary way to get them to stop, slow down, look at what's actually on your plate. Sure. Yeah. Instead you know, of just mindlessly eating.
0: Right. If you can track it, then you can change it. You know, it's not yes. until it's yeah. not until you know what you want to change and you're able to track what you want to change that you have any power over it. You know, so that's that's great <laughs> advice for, for people. It's like if you spend too much money write it down every time you spend money you know did you need to buy 16 frappuccinos that week like no yeah. you didn't you know same concept with the food you know it's really e- easy to mindlessly eat if you write that those mindless cookies down you're probably not going to eat them because you, it's it sucks writing it down. <laughs> you know, so yeah. so we are about out of time. I want to just ask you one more question, and I also want people to to know where they can find you and learn more sure. about Paleo FX and everything that you do. Um, but if you could go back to an earlier version of yourself and provide yourself with some 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 advice, what would it be?
1: Um, I would probably say don't play football as long as you did. <laughs> that is a total. Uh, although I'm you know I'm. And the reason I say that's fresh in my mind because I just did an FMS screen um, the other day, which was, you know, I did fine, except for, and I hadn't thought about it, shoulder mobility. Mm. You know, I go back to do the shoulder mobility things. And I'm like, huh, that is not very mobile at all. Where did that come from? Well, <laughs> you play a sport that's just horrendous on the shoulders for so many years. I mean, it's, you know, it's going to happen. And I say that, you know, half in jest. Um, I, really, I don't, you know, I don't have any regrets. I, the mistakes that I've made and the things that I've went through, you know, they make me what I am today. And, you know, I enjoy where I am today and what I'm doing today and the passions I have. And some of those passions were born of mistakes. So, um, you know, would I go back and change anything? I don't know that I, you know, I don't know that I could or would, I think if, you know, if I could make a telephone call to the 18-year-old Keith, I would tell him to, uh, you know, I I would tell him that, hey, you don't know everything right now. You think you do, but you, you know nothing. So absorb all kinds of information that you can because you know, you think you know everything, you know nothing. No, I love
0: it. No, that's, that's beautiful. You know, and that's, that's the whole thing. Like amateurs have the most fun, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not, yeah. you know, it's, once you start putting money in the line or it just starts to become this career or whatever it is, like, hopefully it's still fun, but that's when it starts to become a little bit tricky, you know, it does, like you yeah, might sure. not enjoy it anymore. You know, so yeah. you, you mentioned earlier before about, um, when you recognize that you don't know or you're lost, then you're willing to experiment. That's growth. Yeah. Yep, that is. Yeah, yeah so I love sure. I love that answer. Um, so Keep where can beginner's find mind.
1: So um, well you can find uh, most of what I do at paleofx.com. I mean that's the that's the big daddy and that's what we're working on right now to get this show underway in April. Um, it's April 24th through the 26th by the way in Austin. Um, I blog occasionally when I have time at uh, ancestralmomentum.com. And the name of the blog is Theory to Practice. So if you just Google Theory to Practice, you can, you can generally find me. I'm on Twitter at the very unique handle of at Keith Norris. And uh, you can find me on Facebook as well.
0: Awesome, man. I love talking to you, man. It was really fun. Yeah, really I wish you had more time. Uh, look forward to seeing you down in Austin in I'll April. It's going to be I'll a blast. Yeah, I'll see you in a month. Cool. Yep, yeah, man. See you, bro. Yep.
1: Online Podcast. Thank you for listening, and remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one, and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. online Align Podcast.